Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders Podcast. Lots to talk about. We are now just one day away from the start of the Islanders' playoff series against division rival the Washington Capitals. This will be a challenge. We will have a full preview of the series, a two-part preview with Newsday's Ted Starkey, part one coming up a little bit later on in this show. We'll also have our Islanders' birthday of the day, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the keys to this series and what the Islanders need to continue to do in order to be successful against the Washington Capitals. This is not going to be easy. And look, you're going up against uh, a team that won the Stanley Cup two years ago, a team that has Alexander Ovechkin, one of the greatest players in the history of the game, on their roster, and it's going to be a challenge. There's no question about that. The Islanders may have a secret weapon. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, too. If you've got a question, a comment, or an Islanders-related topic that you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to send us an email. The email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. If you leave us your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. Meanwhile, you can follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnIsles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter, at Ice Wars NYR VS NYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and notes and keep you ready for all the Islanders action. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about where we're at now. Exciting times for Islander fans. Let, let's get the bad news out of the way. Who won the NHL draft lottery? Yeah, the New York Rangers. So, Looks like the Rangers will have the first overall pick, but you know what? And I've seen a lot of discussion on this and one other item I'm going to mention uh, on Twitter and and social media over the last couple of days. I don't think the Islanders, who still have a chance at the Stanley Cup, would necessarily want to trade places with the Rangers, who have the first overall pick uh, in the draft right now. So, you know, maybe five years from now... uh, People may feel differently, but as of right now, Islanders in a heck of a lot better situation than the Rangers. The other thing that a lot of people are talking about, uh, for the second year in a row, the New York Islanders going deeper into the playoffs than one John Tavares and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So for both years since JT left the Islanders organization, He has not done as well in the postseason 
as his former team did. And yeah, there is a certain amount of uh, uh, sweetness to that for Islander fans. Uh, and, and I think overall, ironically, I think the Islanders are a better team top to bottom without relying so much on John Tavares as they are as they were with him. Now, would that have been the same if Barry Trotz got to coach John Tavares? That's an interesting question, and there's no obvious answer to that because we'll never know. But at the end of the day, uh, certainly it is sweet when, you know, a free agent, captain of the team, face of the franchise leaves, and you do better without him than he does in his new home. So, uh, Look, it's been a couple of years. Eventually, it's going to be less painful, and Islander fans will have some fond memories of what John Tavares did when he was with the team. But as of right now, I I think Islander fans are more or less happy to say, hey, we are still in this, and John Tavares is not. The whole idea for... The uh, Oh, injury news, by the way. Wanted to talk about this. Johnny Boychuk, according to a number of reports, will be ready to return to the ice for Game 1 on Wednesday. Again, that's a 3 o'clock in the afternoon start. Uh, and getting Boychuk back is a good thing. But you know what? Uh, Andy Green did a very good job for the three games that Boychuk was not able to play. And between Green and Dobson and Thomas Hickey, uh, depth at defensemen is not an issue for the New York Islanders. So they have to be, A, happy to get Boychuk hopefully back into the lineup, and B, uh, aware that if he's not able to go, they certainly have enough depth at the defense position that uh, they can carry on. A lot of talk also uh, recently about the Bevilier-Nelson-Bailey line, otherwise known as the B&B line. And I'll tell you, Bevilier got a lot of headlines, obviously two goals in that last game, and he played a, a very, very good series, five points for both, three goals, two helpers. Two of those uh, goals were game-winning goals, and that is always, you know, an, a great addition when you're scoring in the clutch. Nelson had, you know, some great moments, two goals, one assist, took more face-offs than any other Islander player, and they got a lot of attention, but you know what? I'll tell you, Josh Bailey, not an attention-grabber, but four assists, on the uh, you know in four games, assisted on both of Bovillier's game winners, and three of his four points coming on the power play. Here's the thing about Josh Bailey, and I've said this you know a couple of times before, but the more you watch Josh Bailey, the more you like Josh Bailey. He's not flashy. He doesn't give you those highlight reel end-to-end rushes that you know leave your mouth open and you're like, wow, I can't believe he just did that. You know, maybe that's more of a, a Matt Barzal or a Bavillier. Uh, you know, those those guys are going to make moves like that. But Josh Bailey, he just does the little things that make a big difference in hockey games. And here's what Barry Trotz said after the Islanders eliminated the Florida Panthers. When Josh is playing and skating and doing all that, 
He's one of the most intelligent players we have on our hockey team, for sure. He's not afraid of big moments, and he takes a lot of personal pride and responsibility. I think he stepped up well today. He really did. Bales is one of those quiet leaders and takes a lot of personal responsibility. So, you know, Josh Bailey, if he doesn't play on your team and you're not watching him every day, you may not notice him a lot. But if you do watch him every day or if you speak to scouts about Josh Bailey, everybody needs players like Josh Bailey on their team. And the Islanders are quite lucky to have him. All right, we've got a lot more to talk about. We'll have our Islanders birthday of the day and our full preview, part one of it anyway, of the upcoming series against the Capitals. All that and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, we are back here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. couple of quick notes. First of all, we talked a little bit last week about the ping pong tournament that the Islanders players were having in the bubble. Who wins it? Jean-Gabriel Pajot, so congratulations to him and some fun stuff online with regard to uh, how he handled that. And again, to me, before we start this series, Pajot, who came up big for the Islanders in that opening play-in round against the Florida Panthers, going to have to do another really solid job against the Capitals, especially defensively, because the Islanders are going to have a hard time Matching up against Washington, they are a deeper offensive team and a better offensive team even than the Panthers were. Panthers uh, had two really good lines and a third line that was a little questionable. Uh, as far as offense is concerned, Florida, uh, Washington rather, has three really good uh, scoring lines. And we shall see whether or not the Islanders can slow them down, but it's going to be uh, important to say the least. Lars Eller, not sure about his status for game one. And then John Carlson. So two injuries to look at for the Capitals. And we'll bring you the latest on those as we get closer and closer to the series. Meanwhile, our Islanders birthday of the day today. Happy birthday. And believe it or not, 44th birthday for former Islanders defenseman Lubomir Viznovsky. Uh, the Slovakian native who joined the Islanders back in 2012-2013, spent three years on the island, uh, leaving them after the 2014-2015 season. Originally a draft pick of the Los Angeles Kings, then headed over to Edmonton, then to Anaheim, and then joined the New York Islanders. In his NHL career, 883 games, 128 goals, 495 points for Viznovsky. And, and he was one of those guys when he joined the Islanders. He was a veteran, and he added leadership and a certain steadiness to the team and really did, you know, help the team's younger defensemen uh, play better than they otherwise would have. We're going to go back. Take a look at one of his better games with the Islanders, December 13th, 2014, Nassau Coliseum, 16,170 fans on hand to see the Islanders and the Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks, one of the better teams in the league then. They went with Scott Darling in goal, Islanders countering with Yaroslav Halak, neither team scoring 
in the first period, although both teams had one power play opportunity, but it was the Blackhawks getting on the board first midway through the second period. In fact, a little bit more than that. Uh, Daniel Carcillo, the fourth line winger, got his fourth goal of the year from Johnny Oduya and Nicholas uh, Jarmelson at 14:25, 1-0 Chicago. But six seconds later, Cal Clutterbuck gets the equalizer, his fourth of the year, unassisted at 14:31, and after 40 minutes, this hockey game was all even at one and one. The Blackhawks, however, took the lead in the third period on a goal by Patrick Kane, his 14th, Brendan Saad, the only helper at 3.46. Islanders were down by a goal, but they got a power play opportunity when Christopher Stieg was called for high sticking, and Kyle Oposo made the Blackhawks regret that penalty, his seventh goal of the year on the power play. John Tavares and Nick Letty with the assists at 10-10. And the game was all even at 2-2. Two and two. But then, less than a minute later, Lubomir Vizhnovsky, our Islanders' birthday of the day, his second goal of the year turned out to be the game winner. Assist to Ryan Strom and Matt Martin at 11:01, And the Islanders skate away with a 3-2 win. Yaroslav Alak with 23 saves to earn the victory as the Islanders upset a highly rated Blackhawks team. No Islanders, by the way, had multi-point games in this one, although Vishnovsky did have the game-winning goal for plus-minus Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck, Ryan Strom, all with plus-twos. And as far as shots on goal, how about Brock Nelson leading the way with seven, Kyle Oposo adding six shots on goal. Islanders, by the way, out-shooting. The Blackhawks, 41-25, to and if it wasn't for Scott Darling, this game would not have been as close as it turned out to be. But uh, a game-winning goal for our Islanders' birthday of the day, Lubomir Viznovsky, and uh, happy birthday to him. We talked a little bit earlier about the Islanders' possible secret weapon in this series, and to me, that has to be Barry Trotz. Here is a guy who knows the Washington Capitals, knows their players' strengths and weaknesses. Just two years ago, coached them to a Stanley Cup. If there is a way to slow down Alexander Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom and, and Wilson and you know all those guys, TJ Oshie, the one guy who's going to know it is Barry Trotz. And the Islanders do have the ability to play solid defensive hockey. And I think that that is going to be an edge for the Islanders when all is said and done in this series. Now, is it going to be enough to help the Islanders pull off the upset? That remains to be seen. But certainly, the Islanders have a chance at doing just that uh, if they can play their style of hockey in this playoff series. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, part one of my interview with Newsday's Ted Starkey as we begin to break down and preview the upcoming series between the Islanders and the Washington Capitals. And right now to talk about the upcoming Islanders series with the Washington Capitals, 
From Newsday, the author of the book Red Rising, which is about the Washington Capitals, I'd like to welcome back to the show Ted Starkey. Ted, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, This is either your biggest dream or your worst nightmare. You have the Islanders and the Washington Capitals. And look, these are two divisional rivals. These are teams that are fairly familiar with each other. But one added twist to this matchup right now, uh, Barry Trotz was the coach of the Washington Capitals when they won the Stanley Cup just a couple of years ago. Who do you think that gives more of an advantage to, Trotz or the Caps? Um, it's it's hard to say because, I mean, the one aspect, obviously the Capitals know Barry's system and know what he tries to do. Um, it's a little different than when he was in Washington because he had a little bit more talent up front uh, with Washington and he had a couple lines that could roll. But, and, you know, Barry knows the Caps players' tendencies. Um, I think what will happen is, you know, you'll probably see – you know, the, the Caps will be able to break the Islander system a bit, but then Barry can make adjustments. And, you know, Barry's replacement in Washington, Todd Reardon, has, certainly has a little bit of a uh, chip on his shoulder right now because he lost in the first round last year to Carolina. And this year, uh, the second half of the season, Washington wasn't particularly good. And there was talk that Washington may make a coaching change down the stretch before the pause. So, um, you know, I think maybe early in the series will help Washington, but as it goes along, I think Trotz may have his way a little bit with Reardon, and I think the Capitals will have to adjust. Will be interesting to see how that one plays out. And, you know, one thing when you look at the Washington Capitals, big question they have in some ways is goaltending. And, look, we all know that Braden Holtby has won a Vesna Trophy he won a Stanley Cup, but this year hasn't been his year. Talk to me a little bit about what we could expect from Holtby. I think one of the encouraging things the Caps could get out of the red, or the uh, round robin uh, portion is that <laughs> Brayden Holtby was probably their best player because I think a lot of the players kind of treated it as exhibition puck, <laughs> and I think they didn't play as well. But Holtby was very solid in all three games, uh, the Flyer game. Uh, they could have easily given up seven or eight goals to Philadelphia, but Holt made a couple of uh, terrific saves in that game, despite the loss. Uh, he shut out, or almost shut out Boston on Sunday. And I think, uh, you know, the Capitals really have no one behind him because uh, Ilya Samsonov is out uh, with an injury to up in the playoffs. And the Capitals are going to be relying on Vitek Vanacek to uh, be their backup. And I don't think you'll be seeing him in any action. So, um, but it's going to be interesting because Holtby is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Capitals are going to have some decision to make about his future if he's going to come back to Washington or they're going to let him go. Um, but I think the key, it'll be if Holtby is plays like he did in the uh, round robin, it might be a tough O for the Islanders to get because I think that uh, he's been stopping a lot of pucks. He's been, even despite some breakdowns in the Capitals' defensive end, and I think he'll be uh, – he looks sharp so far, but it's always tough to see how once the uh, pressure ratchets up. One thing that anybody facing the Washington Capitals has to be aware of, Alexander Ovechkin, 48 goals in 68 games. If you're Barry Trotz, <clears throat> how do you try to slow down the great eight? 
Well, I think what they, uh, I mean, the, obviously the Islanders try to do is to kind of clog the zone, uh, make sure that, you know, when the capital has the puck, there's an Islander within a couple feet of him, making passing or shooting very difficult. Obviously, Ovechkin's made a living from the circle of the power play, um, and, you know, you kind of have to be aware of him at all times. Uh, the problem with the Capitals in defending them too, though, is you know at times uh, in the game against Boston they use Backstrom and Oshie with them. Those are two dangerous scorers in their own right. So if you shade over towards Ovechkin, you're leaving Oshie or Backstrom with a decent scoring chance. So you kind of have to pick your poison with the with Washington. Um, I think you know if they play their system, they'll try to limit the number of good chances the Capitals get. Uh, but you know it's going to be t- it's going to be difficult for them to really keep the Capitals under, say, two goals a night. I think uh, Semyon Varlamov is going to have to be very good, or they decide to go with Thomas Grice for a game or two. Um, you know they'll they basically will have to outplay Holtby because I think the Capitals certainly can put up some numbers. Talk to me a little bit about John Carlson. He may not be uh, as well known as a guy like Alexander Ovechkin, but he certainly is a big part of the motor that makes this Washington attack go. Yep. He was really good in the first half of the season. He's kind of one of the players that was stellar in the first two or three months, but his play has tailed off a little bit uh, before the pause. And he was obviously injured uh, during the exhibition game against Carolina. And then he missed the round Robin game. So it'll be interesting to see if he comes back uh, what point he comes back in the series, but he's the key to the power play. He's one of their more mobile defensemen. Uh, the rest of the defensive core are a little bit slower and not quite as good with the puck movement. And you can certainly notice in the round robin how much they missed him because they lost uh, Matt Niskanen last summer to Philadelphia in a trade, uh, and they've lost some of their other defensive pieces over the years. So they're really relying on him to uh, be a solid defenseman, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he – when he comes back, if he's the first half, John Carlson, and the second half, Gerald Carlson. Want to talk about two players that Islander fans, one of them they already don't like, one of them I'm sure they won't like by the end of this series. First one, Tom Wilson, and then TJ Oshie. Right. I mean, I think, obviously, Tom Wilson, uh, he, <laughs> he earned himself a reputation in the 2015 series in Long Island, and uh they won't let him forget it here. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously he's been a big part of Washington in the last couple of years. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things that Barry Trotz, when they won the Stanley Cup in 2018, they really wanted to pound on teams and they really haven't stopped that. I think uh, in a way the series will be a little bit of a war of attrition because I think that uh, both teams are going to try to really, you know, kind of take take their pound of flesh every hit they get and try to slow them down. Uh, T.J. Oshie, you know, he's he's a feisty player. He He's obviously he's well-known for his shootout prowess, but, you know, he's got his reputation in the league too for, you know, not being afraid to mix it up. He was hurt last year in the Carolina series, and it kind of really impacted the Capitals. They really didn't seem to be the same after. They won the next game, but then they lost two in a row to finish the series, and uh, I think his absence was missed. So, um, you know, they're both key parts of the attack. You know, if, if uh, Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Baxter are producing, they can rely on their secondary scoring pretty well. Uh, but they'll need all those guys to be, uh, you know, flying in this round to uh, advance. 
What about Ilya Kovalchuk? Does he have anything left that he can be uh, a difference maker for Washington in this series? I think his biggest uh, aspect, he's kind of like the Sergei Fedorov uh, with the Capitals about 10 years ago. They acquired him from Columbus, and he was kind of a mentor for the Russians in the room, and I kind of get the feeling that this is the reason for him. Uh, you know, he's played a little bit on the power play on the second unit. Um, he's on the third line. He's had some good scoring chances at times. Uh, he's certainly not the same dynamic player he is, but I think part of it is uh, they wanted a kind of presence in the room and, you know, to kind of give uh, a veteran guy who hasn't won a Stanley Cup before. Um, his last, you know, Stanley Cup run was with the Devils in 2012. Uh, and I think they want to try to see if they can win him a cup. But I think it's more – it was more that they, the deal was so inexpensive for Washington at the time to make. Uh, he's basically on an AHL plus contract. You know, it's a two-way deal. So if he didn't work out, they could have sent him down to Hershey if they wanted to. Um, and you know, he's been a he's been a decent fit. I mean, he obviously, no one expects he's going to be back with Washington next year. But uh, I think you know, for the time being, he's kind of a little piece they can see if they can get a spark, and if they get anything out of him, it's probably a good thing. At this point in time, if you're the New York Islanders, if you're Barry Trotz, is there a particular Islanders line that you want to match up against the top line of the Capitals or a particular defense pairing? It, get me inside of this chess match if you were coaching the New York Islanders. Well, I think, the, like I alluded to earlier, I think the problem is the Capitals really have three lines that can put the puck in the net. And even if you concentrate on slowing down the Ovechkin line, uh, they have two other lines that are quite capable of lighting the lamp. I think what the Islanders have to do is they really have to stick to their system against Washington and kind of take the lead early in games. Because if you've seen the games the last two years, when the Islanders take the lead, they tended to frustrate the Capitals a little bit by sitting back. When the Islanders didn't take the lead, the Capitals were kind of able to slowly gain control of the game and slow the Islanders down. Um, you know, the only exception was the last meeting in Nassau Coliseum where the Islanders, uh, they had the meltdown in the third period, but that was more, I think, they kind of got away from the way they wanted to play with the lead, and by the time they got it back, it was too late. But I think you really have to stick to their system. You know, they, they need to stay in the Capitals' faces and try to take the lead early because they get a lead early, they can frustrate Washington. But if they don't, uh, then it's going to be difficult for them to come back. And, you know, likewise in this series, I think you have to look at it is the Islanders are coming off a qualifying round, which is, you know, playoff hockey while Washington was doing what they consider exhibition games. Islanders are probably going to need at least one of those first two games because if they fall behind in the series, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to make it up. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We will have part two of my interview with Ted Starkey of Newsday as we preview in depth this series between the Islanders and the Washington Capitals. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Have a great day, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with our continued preview and getting you all ready for the Islanders and the Capitals. And, of course, let's go Islanders!